probably tell Alex to not put this part in. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hello, and welcome to I Know the Owner, a podcast where bar people talk bar stuff. I'm Charlene Wellington. I'm your host and owner, and this is a very special episode because we have a guest host, Stuart Wellington. Hey. And also because we have Mark Naden and Richard Kennedy from Excelsior, and we're here in Fire Island, and we're here at the Ice Palace. Hi, guys. Hello, Charlene. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? And Mark and Richard have been kind enough to let us stay at their Fire Island oasis. <laughs> and we've been having a great time and we're drinking in the afternoon and people are swimming and it's amazing. And uh, hi. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I'm doing okay. Yeah, she's got. Yeah, she's got a drink in her hand. She's doing okay. I'm doing okay. Right. I'm doing okay. You just uh, gotta pace yourself. Yeah. That's yes. This is I'm, 24/7 out here. <laughs> I know. I'm luckily I'm not as hungover as I thought I was gonna be, but we had a little bit of a night for me. Well, but you know, there's, mm -hmm. we, we'll see what we can do today. <laughs> we'll make up for that. Optimism. If I'm not puking over the end of that ferry on the way home, we didn't do it right. Um, and you guys, how long have you guys been coming out here to Fire Island? I guess it's been about close 20, to 20 years? Yeah, it's close to 20 years. We've had our house for about 15 years, but uh -huh. we started coming out about five years prior to that. And has it always been like a nonstop party, or was it very quiet and you like footloosed this town? No, no, no. <laughs> I think we calmed it down a little bit. <laughs> they didn't need any help. Sure. Well, I mean, initially we, we were in a different part of Fire Island. Um, we used to stay with our friends down in a section called uh, Dunewood uh -huh. and we would boat trip over to Cherry Grove and mm -hmm. we just fell in love with this little town so I mean, that's adorable. why we have to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And that water taxi is not cheap so we bought a house. <laughs> <laughs> with all the money you saved on the water taxi? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you guys were the owners of basically the quintessential Brooklyn gay bar, Excelsior and so I guess we'll start with how did you get in the bar business? Who, who did um, it first? Well, my background is that I'm, I'm a set designer for theater and film. Okay. And I had designed a few restaurants and bars over the mm -hmm. years between doing corporate clients, etc. And Richard came from retail. And we initially helped two other friends open another bar in uh -huh. Brooklyn on Fifth Avenue called Carrie Nation. Uh-huh, I've heard of it. And um, we helped them get that set up, and it used to be, it was sort of like, we, it was our hangout spot. Uh-huh. Right. And um, it was sort of the, the return of a gay bar, or really the first time a gay bar was in Park Slope, Brooklyn, and period. I, yeah. And actually, it was very mixed. It was men and women. It was a very community-oriented mm -hmm. thing. Um, and we, it, it really did well for a time. And then it didn't do so and well. And you're talking about Carrie Nation. Yeah. Carrie Nation. Okay. Right. And, and, yeah, and it was and it was something that you know we started to you know I, w I was traveling three weeks out of every month with my work, and it got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm not quite sure I want to do that much traveling. Mm -hmm. um, I want to pick and choose the projects I want. Okay. And Richard was had sort of had many 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 years of re retail, yes. and and this kind of needed a, a shift also. So we started talking about you know why don't we do our own bar. So you never worked in a bar before you owned one? Nope. nope. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> That's the kind of people we make fun of. <laughs> yeah. That's rule yeah. number one. Rule. <laughs> we blew it. Yeah, blew we blew it. Yeah, no, we, we, we were cold on that one. I mean, I, as I said, I had designed a couple of restaurants and bars, mm -hmm. so I, I knew the mechanics of it. Uh-huh. But the day-to-day -day operation, nope, we had no clue initially. Um, we thankfully... And what's in a vodka soda? <laughs> Thankfully, that's what I drink, so I think I know that one. Um, but we we had a lot of help with friends um, from other bar owners. Uh -huh. Yep, uh, Bobby 
uh, at the at gate. The gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the gate um, helped us immensely. Bobby's dodging me. Yeah, <laughs> I got to get him on here. Um, but there was there was a time when like in in Park Slope, there's the gate and Carrie Nation and what like Jackie's fifth. That's and, and, and two and two hundred fifth and O'Connor's and Smiths. Yeah, I mean initially, you know, it's like we we lived on Fifth Avenue eventually mm-hmm. in the slope. Um, and even then, when we moved down there, people were like, why are you moving down there? So people didn't yeah. go to Fifth Avenue right away. It's yes. so, it switched. It changed. And, um, well, if you needed drugs, you went to Fifth Avenue. <laughs> what and, drugs? And that changed. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of really good drugstores on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> Near so, Guard, for one. Yeah, yeah yes. exactly. Family owned. Yeah, so I yeah. feel like now it's all maternity vitamins. Right? Yes. Yeah, I was yeah prenatal, say, postnatal, more stro- yoga. More strollers than dime bags. Yeah. So, so you found so you found a space near Carry Nation, right? And you not on purpose. Yeah, we, we just started <laughs> looking around. We show. we were looking at a lot of spaces. We actually were mm. fairly close to to doing uh, signing a lease on a place on Sixth Avenue. Oh wow, um, that would have been a mistake. Or maybe Sixth Avenue would be like Fifth Avenue now. Yeah, I don't know. It was kind of. It wasn't. It, it just pioneers. wasn't right. It wasn't the right fit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like we 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 tend to find spaces that weren't bars mm-hmm. and uh, you know it was a, a yeah. blank box yeah. and, and you yeah. have to find a willing landlord that will deal with the extra insurance or we carry the insurance of course but yeah. you know just the liability in general and changing a CFO and that kind of stuff so you're, you're really Complaints lucky if from you can, their other tenants yes exactly yeah. so, and thankfully the space that we had found was um, it had a really amazing backyard and mm-hmm. at that time back in 1999 yes there there weren't bars with backyards no that was weren't. that was a rarity i and feel like that became a thing when the smoking ban yes that's exactly um, happened and yeah. everybody was like we need a place where people can smoke and not lose their drinks right like take and, their drinks with them and so we had we were kind of like right just before yeah. that and um so we found this space, and, and I just started doing some drawing and um, came up with a, the, the 700 square foot space that it was. Mm-hmm. And, we, and it was, you know, it was one room, and it was really just an extension of everyone's living room, and that was all we ever wanted. Yeah. Because so many people, especially having the outdoor space, so many people have small studio apartments. Yes. And they want to go out, and they want having an outdoor area. You know, we you know we had a barbecue, which was always sort of the, well, is that legal or not legal? Mm-hmm. It was sort of, but um, we would we things would, were a little more loose back then. Yeah, and exactly. um, or if it's not legal, no one's going to say anything. About yeah, it. exactly. And we would do um, private parties. We did we did weddings and and commitment ceremonies mm-hmm. before gay marriage was allowed mm-hmm. did you guys ever uh, you guys ever do pride parties oh, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah in a 750 square How foot you guess that? <laughs> space we were we, I can say it now we were way over the legal limit okay. <laughs> Capac- no one's gonna come back and statute give you a of limitations line. yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> capacity was often to the max yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah well, and, and it was always sort of one of those things. I mean when we first opened we opened at the end of August that mm-hmm. in that first year we didn't have air conditioning so that first August wow. we and and uh, then initially we just had like a, a unit like a wall unit air conditioner mm-hmm. so Excelsior was always let's say HVAC challenged <laughs> um, and then always. and then we were dealing with smoking so then mm-hmm. it was the era of oh get those smoke eater things yes. and so we had one of those weird uh-huh. contraptions in and our ceiling and none of them ever worked right mm-hmm. no changing filters no. and it just didn't no. matter it didn't matter so then eventually we did put some we got a guy in to do um, more like central air conditioning uh-huh. And he was like, oh, no problem. It's a 700-square-foot space. You need blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, double it. And he was like, I don't understand. <laughs> I was like, trust me, I said. <laughs> because the back of our of the original space that we had was all glass doors. Mm-hmm. And um, it we, so it got hot. Yeah. And, and, it's, and if you opened up those doors, forget it. It's mm-hmm. like all the air conditioning was going to go outside. So we, we basically put enough air conditioning in that you would probably use for more like a 3,000 square foot space that we put mm-hmm. in a 700 square foot space. So finally, yeah, it was cold at Excelsior. Finally. So. Um, <sighs> I don't know that there were that many gay bars in Brooklyn back well, then. Well, we went through a few of them uh, that 
were competing with us, but none of them stuck like we did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We had it for 15 years, and I would say in that one location, in that location, and I would say at least 10. Yeah, 10 or 12 places tried to open up in in Park Slope. Well, I would say just in downtown Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and Carrie Nation became Ginger's, and it's still Mm -hmm. still there. Um, and, and it so we became sort of a brother and sister bars. Yes. We, you know, so even though we both and then had you decided an, to separate the the boy gays and the girl gays. No, we but didn't. we <laughs> we really we really didn't do that. I mean, it's like we always had you know we had we was, always used to joke and say we had the drinking lesbians. Uh huh. Um, and and, um, and Sheila had the pool playing ones. And, and, and right. um, but we shared equally, and it, and it was a really happy marriage with the mm-hmm. two of us yeah. being diagonally across from each other. It was a, it was a great... People used to think it was an adversarial thing, and it wasn't at all. We mm-hmm. couldn't have existed without each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, was, was Caddyshack in Park Slope? No, no that, that was the village. No, ca- oh, okay. yeah. But, uh, Rock Bar was Caddyshack in... Oh, you're right. In, uh, you're yeah, right. And, then there, and then there was rock like shop. a... Yeah, yeah. Rock sh- yeah rock it became shop. Rock Shop. And then it, but then That's there was right, an, you're right. I'm right about something. There was right like a... That. No, Meow Mix was in the village. It was Caddyshack. Yes, you're right. It was Caddyshack. Caddyshack on 4th Avenue, absolutely. I, uh, you're right, you're right. Great Stuart, space. Stuart's right, point for Stuart. And, you know, over the years... People have tried to do gay bars in in Brooklyn Heights mm-hmm. and in Carroll Bay Gardens. Ridge and Carroll Gardens, and they've had modest successes at different times. Yeah. And it's it's just it's hard. It's you know, especially um, Brooklyn Heights, I think, because it's such a residential area, yeah. and it's, it seems like more people when they're they're coupled and they're not going out. Yeah. Where Park Slope was much more of a single scene back then, and um, it was less expensive. Yeah, that's true. Um, so it gave us more of an opportunity, and we were happily in our f- first location um, for 15 years. Yeah. We went on our honeymoon and came back, and the landlord said, you have 30 days to vacate, because he had sold the building. And, and, and prior to we, when we went on our honeymoon, we had a verbal agreement for a five-year extension on our lease. So your lease was almost up. Our lease was going to be up at the end of August. August. Uh-huh. And in April, we started talking to him about uh-huh. extending it, and... He was like, yeah, we'll do a five-year extension. And we did a handshake and never did any paperwork. And he says, when you come back from your honeymoon, we'll take care of it. Then literally the day we came back, he says, I sold the building, so you have 30 days. And we said, is there anything we can do about that? And he said, if you match their price, you can buy the building. And I said, well... Not so much. That's not really an option for... What was their price? $1.2 million. No, no, it was two point. Oh, I'm sorry. Two point two. Yes. Yeah. 2.2. I'm like one point two. We could have done a GoFundMe. And I've been <laughs> upstairs in that building. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've definitely been upstairs and felt like I was going to fall well, into downstairs. Well, and your, and, and your the, bar, and I was like, all right, that's I'll the, be among friends. The irony of it is, is like when, <laughs> as I have mentioned about the, the the glass doors that we had across the back when uh. we when we did that structurally, we took out and put a big steel beam in and, uh-huh. and, and shored up the back of the mm. building. It would have fallen off otherwise. Yeah, um, so sure. we did a lot of work in that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we uh, had a big party at the end of July uh-huh. and emptied out the space, got a, got a U-Haul and poured all of the stuff into our garage in our house and uh, started looking for a new space. Because How long were we, you weren't, yeah, we weren't, we weren't done. Yeah, we, you know, we had 15 years. Everybody was like hankering for us to still be around. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we said, well, we're not done. Then we'll start looking and we'll find something new. How long were you looking? We looked uh, five months, six months. Yeah, I guess it would have been yeah July, and then we signed the release like middle of October. So. And we reopened by August of the yeah. next year, so it was almost exactly a year from closing one to opening the other. Oh, you guys, I thought it took longer, but that's pretty fast. It was. Yeah, and, and, it, and once again, it was a space that didn't had never had a bar in it yeah. before. Yeah. I mean, well, actually, no, I stand, should correct that. <laughs> it had not had a bar recently. The space was a bar and a restaurant really? in the 20s and 30s. Oh, wow. Like an Irish pub sort uh-huh. of restaurant kind of thing. Um, and then the building burnt down, and then it got reconstructed, and okay. then it was had been dry cleaners and hardware stores and all kinds of weird things like that. So, um, so we started from scratch, and we our purpose then was to find space that was a little bit bigger, uh-huh. yeah. um, because people were looking for 
multiple experience. Because people were get, getting married and they wanted to bring their baby carriages mm -hmm. in. Yeah. <laughs> that too. But. That too. But I mean, pe also, people wanted to dance, people wanted yeah. shows, but then we didn't want to like eliminate the opportunity of people hanging out at a bar yes. and just sort of having conversation. So we tried in the new space to give multiple scenarios. Yeah, we had five yeah. distinct areas. We had a lounge, a patio, a front kind of uh, great room, the main bar, and then a cabaret space on the mm -hmm. second floor. Full disclosure, we had our holiday parties in the upstairs lounge and that, we loved it. And that we, was awesome. And we did karaoke there <laughs> yes. and we loved it. And <laughs> just why well, you're doing full disclosure, full in, case, disclosure like, in case we get sued <laughs> for bias or something yeah like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i mean these are our friends yeah these are we've already said that full disclosure <laughs> these are our friends yes <laughs> and you have to say i do not own the rights to this music yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh yeah also i covered. do not own the rights to this music um i i lost my train of thought i think it's the tequila <laughs> so uh, was that was that and I'm assuming that was an exciting part of uh, picking a new location was kind of rebuilding from the ground up with all the stuff you learned for over 15 years. Yeah, we had never the problem with the other space was it was just one room and then the deck in the garden. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if we wanted to do entertainment, it would alienate people. If we yes. wanted to do performances or. Mm -hmm. um, uh, couldn't really do a dance party. Yeah. Or you couldn't do a private party unless you closed the whole space. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this afforded us a lot of different opportunities. And and it was a quirky space. It was it was a challenging space. It didn't it it was not traditional at all. Yeah. It was narrow in places and wide in others mm -hmm. and it had a staircase in in an awkward location and we had to do a lot of construction on that. I mean yeah. we had to rip out the whole staircase and do a whole new one because it wasn't to code. Um, but it did afford me a chance to design yet another space, yeah, which is fun. Yeah, and you put it like fun. a glass staircase. We did a glass staircase with a glass wall mm -hmm. so that it could close it off, but it still didn't feel as heavy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, because that happened to be one of the narrowest parts of the uh -huh. space where the staircase was. Sort of, yeah. um, you know, and that space had challenges too where the the garden wasn't as big as our previous space right. and that but, was the one thing I was really sad about yeah. but unlike the first location we there were no neighbors facing the garden so uh. we never had an issue we left that garden open until 4 a.m. every night of the year and never got a noise wow. Wow. not yes. one so no. jealous I know. It, that was really one reason yeah. we went for it yeah and it also gave us a chance to like get newer equipment and things like mm -hmm. that and like bigger a bigger ice machine because in our old space it, again a naivete for us yeah we bought a brand new ice machine in that first incarnation mm -hmm. but it was too small and so we were uh, always buying extra ice or always uh, getting something oh, wow. or borrowing ice especially on days like pride, pride. Yeah. yes but when we went to the new space, we never wanted for ice. No. In fact, everyone borrowed ice from us. Yeah. Yeah. Was the mother of all well, ice I machines. I wish I had known because High Dive and Charlene's were built at the same time. And their ice machine, our ice machine did not work when we first opened. And their ice machine was broken in the other direction. It just like kept making ice oh. and wouldn't stop. <laughs> so I would get like four buckets of ice from High Dive and bring it to Charlene's like three times a day. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. <laughs> yes, yeah. until well, our ice machine got fixed. Here at the Ice Palace, they had the same problem. I mean, there's four guys, five guys. And they're dives, called the Ice dives. Palace. Yes. So they should have their ice situation exactly. down. Well, no, they have so much ice. They have an ice machine that's oh. in the back room that they actually don't even really use right now, but it's about 10 feet wide. Mm -hmm. It's huge. That's huge. By like about oh my, six feet high. You could bury a body in oh, the easily. Machine. I'm sure there have been bodies but buried. This holds, <laughs> this holds about 800 people when it's full. Yeah, this so space. That's yeah. a lot of ice. And it looks like the pool from that hotel also gets their drinks from the Ice Palace. Yeah, so, everybody. Yeah, it's a whole complex. Yeah. Well, it's a nice it's the a Ice resort. Palace resort now. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. So what's what's your really uh, what's your relationship here at the Ice Palace, Richard? Uh, I've been a DJ here for 10 years and I do uh, dance parties and holiday events and stuff like that. Tea dances for uh, outside what's a tea of, dance. A tea dance is a daytime afternoon uh, 
kind of jazzy dance party, but not high energy. But it really started in the disco era. It was, it was, it, it's a, it's a gay and lesbian thing. Mostly gay, originated with gay men, because um, back in the day, gay men were uh, same-sex couples were not allowed to dance with each other. Okay. So that was the beginning of sort of like sort of line dancing and things and it was a way to get around the certain laws that were the archaic laws that right. happened in yeah. the like no touching yeah. so. you know way back when but but you also DJ, actually you, was here you also DJ for a lot of the drag queens I and am, work on I, the shows I am the drag whisperer <laughs> yeah I so. caught a glimpse of that last night that yeah. was that was that looked like a difficult operation for, <laughs> for a DJ as somebody who is not a DJ the, uh, the, so last night we were at the Ice Palace uh -huh. and Richard was DJing and there was a drag show and the premise is that you can just pay the drag queens $20 right. and request them to perform any, any song. song in your imagination. Right. Yeah. It's called and Take then, a Shot Tuesday. And then Richard has to, with shoddy internet, <laughs> Find the song and make it work, and he has about and like a room of thirty to forty seconds to make that in a happen. A room full yeah. of drunk people, oh, yeah, yes. two of whom have microphones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, what's in a name? Take a shot Tuesday is exactly what it sounds like. No mm -hmm. vagaries there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and did that did that just come out of you guys already coming down here a lot and the relationships you built, or how did you how did you get the gig working here at the Ice Palace? I actually, I had DJed when I was in college, uh -huh. and then didn't do it for a long time, and it was a much different thing with vinyl and the coffins for the um, turntables. It's like I I just gave up. I, it, Made yeah. me tired. But you did some DJing but, at Excelsior. Yeah, I did. Years. If I didn't have to lug the gear all uh. over Hell's Half Acre. Um, and then the computer programs came out, and we do it all digitally now. Yeah. And that makes it a lot easier. And and so. beyond that, it was but, like... Um, yeah. I had a, we had met the general manager, or entertainment manager... At the time, I think he was bar manager. But he was yeah, bar manager. Everybody's titles out here changes constantly. <laughs> and they had a slot on Wednesday night that had been just the dregs, and we turned it in, we turned it into sort of a naughty party, and it was a huge success. And then I started picking up the rest right. of the gigs. Yeah. And, it, and it was a way for me to get tied into it too, because he was hosting. I actually hosted that naughty oh, party, and um, so. You know, it was a we, we got to work together in a in a very different way where it was a little yeah. less pressure than in our own space. So it was sort of an it was a, it was like a busman's holiday. <laughs> we never we never intended Fire Island to be a place that we would be working. It was mm -hmm. always supposed to be vacation. It was a chance for us to have a space to to chill out and for our staff. Um, yeah to do, be able to do that too but then it became sort of a combination of some work and some play and a lot of play and as you two know drinks here are not cheap not drinks just at the ice cheap. house in fire island in general so the discount was an incentive also yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean the thing with fire island i think mean, it's like kind of like hawaii where everything has to be shipped in yes. from the mainland yep. so everything is more expensive so like a vodka soda is twelve dollars right. and is that all i thought they were more um i i mean well vodka well vodka. We got, okay you, know, you didn't want the good stuff right no, no. And also i think i was i think they gave me your discount so oh. all right. All right. i'm assuming I'm assuming that Fire Island is a bit like other resort towns and all the staff are kind of like hermit crabs. They just change shell to shell, like they job hop a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, it's very rare that somebody actually stops working out here until they retire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they would literally just go from one place to, an, to, yeah. to the next bar down the and street. We always have uh, new people in every season and it keeps it, it, keeps yeah. it uh, exciting. And the good ones stay. Yeah. yeah. And Mark, you have a title out here? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> do you want to tell me um, about that? Well, there, there are a lot of different contests out here on uh -huh. Fire Island. Um, I mean, and most people know about the drag contests, uh -huh. um, you know, because Miss Fire Island is one of the most renowned drag contests out here. Mm -hmm. And there's Homecoming Queen, all, all very much drag related. But there are titles, uh, you know, 
for the for the men of the community. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, and I am I am Mr. Fire Island Leather 2012. 2012. There, yes, um, the contest started back in 2001, and Bruce Michael is the original Mr. Fire Island Leather, and mm-hmm. he was he is always considered the Mr. Fire Island yeah. Leather, okay. and he's still here, and he's still oh, here, and yeah. he and he's, he's comes. Kicking. Where yeah. is he? Yeah, right, right in our block. <laughs> yeah, oh, he, he lives oh, awesome. in our block. Um, he's a very good friend, um, and it was. Again, it was sort of one of those things. Uh, by 2012, we were we had been here about five years mm-hmm. in, in our house, roughly. And one of the, the drag queens who hosted the event mm-hmm. is also a very good friend of ours, Ariel Sinclair, came to me because we were always at the event because I, leather's always been part of my persona, I guess. Okay. I mean, it's just an extra little side of it. And in some... And some some ways, leather is just a different kind of drag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Um, but yeah. it is also sort of a mindset and sort of like more like what's in your heart kind of a thing. Okay. And um, so we were always at the event supporting it. And uh-huh. because it's, it, Mr. Fire Island Leather happens the weekend before Memorial Day every, so it's early in the season. Okay. okay. Partially because... That way, the whole season, you know who yeah. is well, Mr. Fire Well, yeah, that, and also just because it's early in the season, and you can wear leather, and it's not too hot. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But the only unfortunate thing about it is, is that once you become Mr. Fire on Leather, you have to make appearances all through the summer. Oh, so you have to wear leather, leather and, you know, on the hottest days yeah. of the year. And one of your main duties is escorting the homecoming queen for invasion, which oh. is on July 4th. Okay. So and it's you much warmer. Much, 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 <laughs> much more warmer. Um, and um, Le- I leather kilt is a good option. And for that's that. I, ah. that's immediately what I went for. I went for leather kilt and lots of shorts. Good, that is a good option. Um, so uh, and so for invasion, I wore a leather kilt and it and it was it was hot and I had very unusual tan lines. <laughs> <laughs> what are the what are the criteria for judging a leather contest? Um, <laughs> well, it's not, the, there are similarities to other pageants that okay. people have been used to, like a Miss America so or something like, like that. swimwear, well, his, evening there's wear. Not, no, it's not quite, <laughs> there's formal wear. Formal yeah. wear, okay. Um, and they usually do, it, some, a lot of contests do like a fetish wear mm-hmm. look or it be, might be a jock strap or okay. something like that. Um, and then there's, for, for, for Mr. Fire and Leather, we have a category um, is, that's called fantasy. Uh-huh. So you have to you have to perform or speak like a spoken word oh, version of your fantasy or um, sometimes it's too much information. Yeah, yeah. Some, absolutely. I so. think we are in competition with, with androgyny. Androgyny. I think she's doing about to do her trivia show. Um, well, hopefully that won't uh, yeah, interfere yeah. with our with <laughs> well, our thing. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. Yeah. She's pretty loud. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So the it's it's very much a, the leather titles in the leather community. It's a brotherhood. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's an association, um, and I've I've made some amazing friends mm-hmm. across. Fire Island and in, in New York City and, and Philadelphia and Boston, um, a, a whole and slew of the communities all come here for that weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to do it for two years because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. So we're really looking forward to um, doing a really... 2022. 2022 is going to be crazy <laughs> and, and really big, I hope. Yeah. Um, so. Did you guys see a lot of, in general, just community, uh, like... Splitting time between uh, Fire Island and Brooklyn, like, did you see a lot of your regulars and community from Excelsior coming out here? Absolutely. Yeah. It it was always a running joke if we had bad weather in Brooklyn, uh, rather if they had bad weather on Fire Island, then we did, the bar did well in Brooklyn because Uh, people weren't going out of town. Makes sense. We, it was a two, two-sided sword. And yeah. when you would throw uh, throw parties out here on Fire Island, the bar would have we trouble, would right? Empty out our own bar, <laughs> which again, maybe, yeah, maybe we should have. <laughs> maybe we should have owned a bar first and Tid. before we opened one. Tid. sure. I I don't know. I feel like you guys are onto something because you're like, we're gonna own a bar and then we're gonna make a place where we could all party, and. Uh, that seems like a lot more fun than the way we do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, part of it was, from the get-go, when we bought the house out here, was that the staff could use it, it period, wow. like, at, at their convenience. 
and so, and they did, and, and they, they were did. really good about that. And I was, and I'm really happy that they were able, we were able to share that yeah, with them. And in, nice. at times, actually, some of our staff even guest bartended. Yeah, at oh, the Ice awesome. Palace. Oh so. yeah, that makes sense. Um, so that was kind of fun too. So and and or or bartenders performed or entered contests. Um, in um, when Lila Lansing entered mm. Miss Fire Island. Oh wow! As an it's entertainer, it's always been my dream to have like um, to either have like an agreement with a bar in Puerto Rico with our right. bar where our bartenders can like trade back and forth yep. or to have a bar somewhere like Puerto Rico where we can send our bartenders like you're going to go work there for 2 months and we, like we thought the exact same thing for a while <laughs> we really did yeah we had we had that dream for a, a moment too. too bad you guys are getting out of the business. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. We, we so, just got a job offer to go into another, be partners in an, in an existing bar. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, are we ready to go back to that? No, we're right. not. No. Right. <laughs> we're not well, ready. Not, not ready for the city. We're moving on. Yeah. 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 Right now, no. Maybe so, down the line. So you guys opened the second Excelsior 2.0. Right. And then what happened? It was expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, we were closed for almost a year. Yeah. So even though we had built a 15-year clientele and a yes. reputation, and so people knew the name, it was like starting from scratch. Yeah. Was. So we were only seven blocks away from the old location. That's a lot for, for it really is. bar it, customers. It yeah. really is. It I changed know it everything. crazy. But, but, but we had actually, when we started to look for the new space... We actually did research as to where our, our clientele had moved. Oh. And they had seemed to move to sub, the South okay. Slope and to like Sunset Park and things mm -hmm. like that because things were less, yeah. less expensive. So on paper, it seemed like a perfect idea. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but then after, of course, the build out and if you've ever opened a bar or basically anything that's public, you spend a fortune in plumbing and yeah. electrical and HVAC and all that stuff. So we were just bleeding money until yeah. we got open. Yeah. yeah. And so it was effective. Not it, it was a year without income. Yeah. Right. We and were going through that at money. the same time. Yeah, you were building yeah. hinterlands. We were so. building hinterlands, and Stuart was working at Commonwealth, and you guys were building Excelsior, yeah. and we would meet at Commonwealth and, and commiserate, we would, like, cry to each other. <laughs> it's like, oh, like, how was your is, meeting at the building's department yeah, today? Yeah, when oh, is this ever like, going to end? Which plumber that, are you using? And, don't yeah. use that guy. Yeah, yeah. and so. we use the same guy who has been disbarred, <laughs> yeah. from, who's yeah. been banned from the building department. We will not use his name. No, we will never. I feel like if we mentioned his name a couple times, he'll, he'll like, show up. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was that weird. Like whack-a-mole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, well, it's not only was it like a year without income, but even even with an, uh, an existing, like an existing customer base, you're still basically opening a new place, and that first year is always fucking hard. Right. Like, yeah. And we knew that. We just and expected it to pick up after the first year. Yeah. Yeah. Or even and six months. It, it did to a certain extent, but it never got to where the additional expense in our investment mm -hmm. were coming in line. Yeah. So yeah. we oh. we kept thinking, okay, a little bit longer. We had a great oh. weekend this weekend. It's the beginning of the best days we've ever had, and. It just, after four years, we decided, you know, we're not making it. I don't know if we can actually hold on to this anymore. Yeah. It was four years. Wow, time flies. Yeah, it was actually close. By the time we got out of there, it was five. It was, wow. We had made the five-year mark. So, so effectively, we were open for 20 years. Um, <laughs> right. That one year was a build-out in the middle of it all or a change of location. But we were still trying to make a presence for ourselves. I mean, it's like we were involved in everything we could be while we were renovating. And um, Richard worked out here at the Ice Palace while we were renovating um, before we yes. opened. So, so, and I would come back and f go go back and forth mm -hmm. and just to sort of, it, you know, when I was dealing with a contractor and yelling at something or, or <laughs> having to go to the building's department to get a, yet another uh -huh. permit or whatever it was. So You had to go to the seventh floor, get a piece of paper, and put it in a box on the second floor, <laughs> and then wait for somebody to... And in the 15 years between opening the first Excelsior and the second Excelsior, things didn't get easier as far no, as no. bureaucracies concerned. Yes, exactly. No. They got more difficult. No, but the... 
but it, once again, we we felt like we weren't done, and we really loved being an important part of the community, and we, we were a safe haven for people, Bef- yes. especially early on. People didn't, gay and lesbians did not have a space to, to be themselves. Mm-hmm. And as much as New York is diverse and open-minded for uh-huh. things, it, it took time. Yeah. And I remember when we opened the first space, Everyone was totally surprised that we didn't have blacked out windows. In yeah. The, in yes. Their, that we had, yes. we had clear glass, and I had um, Venetian blinds, and we opened them up and let let the light in and let people see us because there was nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. And so, what do you think? What is your opinion on? What's happened to the gay bar industry? Well, when we opened the second bar, we saw the writing on the wall that people were not just interested in sitting down at a neighborhood bar. So by virtue of the cabaret space and everything, we could do entertainers. Mm -hmm. And that seemed to be where, except for the really old uh, uh, stalwart bars in Manhattan, Mm -hmm. everybody else, if you don't have some kind of entertainer, you're... People aren't going to show up. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, RuPaul's Drag Race made a lot of changes to things. Yeah. Pe- people across the country had an idea of like that's what every gay bar has to be. Yeah. And and it, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it does, but but we were reacting to that. Yeah. For the good or the bad of it. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I, while while in that year that Excelsior was being built, I was working at Commonwealth, and I think some of Excelsior's customer base oh, yeah. kind of moved down there, Absolutely. including you guys. I saw you guys a lot. <laughs> and it was one of those things where I remember, like, I feel like Ray kind of took on that mantle. Yeah. But he also, I don't know, it also was like, there's also the question of, like, not coming from having not spent a lot of time in gay bars, it was a question of whether or not, like, have has the younger generation just, like, acclimated to the regular, like, to, like, neighborhood bars? Like, well, it also, back in the day, talking like an old man now, mm-hmm. um, this, that's one of the places, one of the most important places to a lot of people that we met. Yeah. Because yeah. we knew you weren't going to make the move on the wrong person who would not accept your uh, your advances or just just telling your life story to somebody who's yeah. a kindred spirit. And yeah, I'm sorry. So, yeah, no, no I mean, but sorry. but a lot of that a lot of that's changed with social media. Yeah. yeah. Um, you and know, and dating apps, dating apps, and yeah. Grinder and Scruff and all of that stuff. Which is great for a lot of things, especially for people who are in rural areas. I think that, it, yeah. like, don't have an opportunity, they can they can reach out and find someone. But it's it's made a whole generation that comes into a bar, orders a drink, and spends the rest of the time looking at their phone, probably talking to the guy that's two seats away from him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that that's an unfortunate yeah. result yeah. of social media, which I think is going to change a little bit. I think COVID helped break that down a little bit I, I think, think that people pe- realize they want to see each other in person yeah, yeah. I mean it's I like so. we, we at least want to see their mouths yeah. and it's like we're tired yeah. of the masks yeah. so it's like so that's a whole different thing but that was something that actually we had to deal with with the 2.0 incarnation of mm. Excelsior um, it people didn't go out the same way no. yeah yeah and um and I think as you mentioned neighborhood bars were it didn't it didn't matter where you went now it's like okay yeah. you could be gay and go into you know I think the Applebee's like Commonwealth yeah. also where it's like it's not quite a gay bar but it's not right. not a gay bar yeah. right. and it's like well, Park Ray S- doesn't want it too gay let's yeah. be no. serious yeah. right. no <laughs> Park, Park Slope has always been very very open to yes, yes. I mean it I mean, it started as more as a hippie community, so it's sort of like yes. it, it's a live and let live. It doesn't really matter as long yeah. as you're not hurting somebody. It does. Yeah. It shouldn't matter, and, and that's the way it should be everywhere. Yes, primarily lesbian in the '70s, right? Absolutely, more than yeah. gay men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. I remember that. I was near there in the seventies. Yes. <laughs> um, I wasn't for, yeah. for our listeners, I hope you're not playing this trivia in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you can hear us. Yeah, yeah. I hope you can hear us. I think and, so. And uh, what, t- what, what time does that say, Stuart? Forty. Forty. Okay. 
And also, to your point about gay bars and how people go out, mm -hmm. the real, I don't want to say victims, the real people that are feeling the brunt of it are the lesbian bars. New yeah. York is down to three lesbian bars I now. saw that on New York One, and I didn't believe it. Yep. Yeah, no, and, 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 and across the country, I think that there are less than 20 lesbian bars. Lesbians, you guys need to go out drinking more. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, again, it might be a case of where they're, they're, they, they may be going out, but they don't, they're not going to not just going specifically, to specifically to, you know, and, and it's just a hard... Hard industry. I feel like as it's like as it becomes more acceptable, the safe spaces are. It's are, a double-edged sword. It's, double it's like you know, it's yeah. that be careful what you wish for. It's like you want the acceptance, but you know, the idea of a gay ghetto is is less and less. And in some ways, that was what attracted us to coming out to Cherry Grove. Mm -hmm. We loved the idea, even though we lived in New York. I worked mm -hmm. in theater for God's sakes. I mean, it's like yeah. I never, I never didn't get a job because I was gay. Mm -hmm. right. I've never had that issue. Um, or an apartment. Or, or an apartment or anything like that. But being able to come here to Cherry Grove, where the majority is gay. Yeah. And, um, it's unique. More it, than the majority, they're looking at me like, bitch, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> they don't know if you're straight. We're happy to have you they here, know. Charlotte. They know. <laughs> they know. Thank you. They know, and they're like, what are you doing with that man? Let go of him. Well, that would Leave happen. Him here. Yeah. That would Leave happen. Him here. That happens if you're with, with a man or with two women and whatever. They're always looking. They're always shopping. They're always shopping. <laughs> I'm saying you're a snack, Stuart. Oh, God. <laughs> so what 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 is, lies in the future? Well, we're we're closing chapters here. It's like we're selling our our Brooklyn house. We're selling our Fire Island house, um, and we're moving to the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. Wow! I think COVID proved that we could actually be together by ourselves <laughs> and not kill each other. After, after 31 I years, like, I think we should be able yeah. to prove that. I don't know. I feel like being stuck in a house together, like, like if you're still, folks, if you're still together after COVID, you're good. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. Exactly. You know? We, Absolutely. <laughs> We've, we had far worse trials over the years than yes. COVID. Trust yeah. me. Okay. Um, and that's not to lessen any yeah, point sure. no, other people went no, through. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm excited to get back into doing theater again. And I want to, you know, it's like I, I've been really lucky and blessed with my career. I mean, I, I've done every, run the gamut of running, doing opera and Broadway and corporate shows and traveling shows and regional theater. I want to get back to doing regional theater, and I also am excited for the opportunities to maybe teach, teach mm -hmm. the next generation. Nice. So, and we've and we've been talking a little bit about, uh, you know, making resumes and stuff, and how. <laughs> but we've been talking about that and how, like the the what the indescribables of bar ownership yes. like yes. how do you list some like the things you did the, the skills of being I, able I to, to like navigate we're figure it out we're yeah figure it out yeah. i mean you don't resume. have a choice it really is sink or swim yeah. yeah and you're a couple that own a bar we were a couple that mm. owned a bar and if you I'm don't figure you it out that. nobody's going to do it for you <laughs> yeah no nobody will it's like it's and yeah that, you, that the, first the, trip to the buildings department exactly yes. there isn't there isn't a class in your freshman year liberal arts college no. that says how to navigate the buildings department. No, there is not. And you know one thing we didn't talk about, though? What's that? Did the mob ever come to you? <laughs> the mob doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> no, the mob did not come. Did the mob come to you? Yep. yep. Wow. I just put on my southern accent and acted like a... Uh, deer in the headlights, and they left us alone. Yeah, right at the, in the early days. In the early days. Oh, well, before they, we were even open in the first. In the, in the, but I remember it was the first New Year's that we were open. Oh, that because, because we, you know, we opened in the the late summer of of ninety nine. Uh -huh. So everyone was scared oh, wow. to death of that two thousand. Yeah, Y two K. So we had made the decision that we were not going to be open for New Year's Eve that year. Mm -hmm. That we were going to give our staff the night off because wow. it was the first few months that we were open and refinish the bar. Top. Yeah, I needed yeah, to yeah. refinish nice the bar. Day top. off, yeah, guys. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and we were we were working, but we were giving our staff <laughs> but, rookie mistake. But we, but, go on. <laughs> but we, um, no, it was the best thing we ever did. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but this 
gentleman from a social club mm. on Fifth Avenue. Don't. I'm not going to go more than that. Yeah. Um, came and approached us, and and he he would Actually, come. Actually, that guy was. Oh, that guy was. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. He came <laughs> and he was like, "I'll give you X amount of dollars to open for New Year's Eve. I'll pay you whatever." And I, and. And it we was talked about it. It, we talked about it for a brief moment, and actually, it was it was a time my my, it was, my family was visiting, and we were all hanging out at the bar. Mm-hmm. We were going to dinner, and we but we were having our, our cocktails before dinner at at Excelsior. And my brother like listened to my, our conversation because uh-huh. we were handling it as bar owners, and and we we said, well, we'll consider it, and, and then he left. And my brother was like, oh, do it, do it, do it. And it's like money. And I was like, you have no idea who he is and yeah. what that would mean. Yeah. Right. I said, we would be forever beholden to mm-hmm. this person, be whatever they do. Uh-huh. Um, and he wasn't the first one. Right. The first one was not from a social club. No, exactly. No, but, but the one from the social club within a... It, so we... It, long story short, it's like we didn't hire it out for, for New Year's uh-huh. Eve. We closed and we refinished the bar top. And then a month later, he was arrested and went to prison. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. So, so you missed out so on all his money before yeah, the you government took right? it. Yeah. Exactly. You would have been, been in the clear. <laughs> he still had people on the outside, oh, so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and very attractive man. Very attractive man. <laughs> and Again, I know the owner states that the mafia does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it does like it used to. No. I don't know. No, definitely not. <laughs> we won't talk into talk about who does your garbage. Right. <laughs> so I have a segment on this podcast called You Won't Believe the Fucking Day I Had, where I encourage my listeners to write in with a story about their day since I started the podcast during the pandemic where um, people could not go to bars and I wanted to kind of imitate what it was like when somebody walked into the bar and they were like, oh my God, you won't believe the fucking day I had. So I beg and I plead and I put it on Twitter and I put it on Facebook and nobody ever sends me a fucking story. Yeah, I mean, my story was from like a week or two ago and uh, it was the middle of a Tuesday afternoon, freak rainstorm, and all of a sudden the basement starts flooding at the bar and not in a fun way. Get get the jokes out of your mouth. And uh, so I'm down there. I'm also trying to cook food because people are, the bar's open, people are ordering. And I go downstairs and the P trap has popped up. Does yep, that's know what a, <laughs> that was perfect. Uh, yeah, the the P trap is it's a uh, it's part of the plumbing. It's the main sewer line leaving the building, and it has uh, the the cap, the metal cap that is on top, has blown off, and like water is just pumping out. And it was uh, it got about we got about like four or five inches of standing water in the basement, and then I got to spend the next like hour and a half sweeping it into the drain when the the water receded. We can relate. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to top your story, but but, but least, we can. At least you were getting clean water. In. Yeah. Oh no, I've I've been there. Yeah, wait, I'm not going to talk wait, about it. I mean, the first St. Patrick's Day that we opened it. St. Patrick's <gasps> Day happened to fall on on a Saturday, and St. Patrick's Day in New York is a big, it's a big de- deal. It's a big de- uh-huh. deal, and. And it's Not hard to on be stereotypical, but most plumbers in New York are Irish. Okay. Yes. So yes. getting a plumber on St. Patrick's Day and a Saturday is impossible. Mm. Yeah. Guaranteed twenty-four hour service. Not. Don't believe nope. it. <laughs> but similar to your story, Stuart, it's like ours. The beyond the the cap coming off, ours like corroded and the whole thing just sort of fell apart. Mm-hmm. And Saturday night. I, let's just say I spent the rest of the night with my finger in the dike. Wow. <laughs> and it wasn't pretty. While I, while I bailed raw sewage into the uh, utility sink. Yeah. Uh. Welcome, I, welcome to owning a bar. I'm, I'm not going to name the bar, but it was St. Patrick's Day. A pipe um, overflowed, and there were literally poops floating yep. That's what along I'm the basement. Yeah. 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 Like literal poops and like toilet paper and yeah. And, and there was nothing we could do about no. it. 
I was just like, nobody go in the basement. If a keg um, kicks, it kicks, don't change it. Right. We're just what if it's Guinness? Basement. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> the basement. If it's Guinness, it's Guinness. The basement does not exist today. There's nothing we could do about it. Yeah, we're we, just gonna well, ignore thankfully, it until ours, tomorrow. Our, our, the, the line that broke was way in the back of our basement, mm-hmm. and, and in the first incarnation of Excelsior, we had a fairly nice sized basement, and our walk-in box was towards the front, so they weren't thankfully related. Yeah, that's great. I, I could be literally. Really trapped in the back, and we sort of had to block. But we're down, we're down there on St. Patrick's Day for hours, and I just started laughing. And he's like, "How can you laugh at this?" He got really mad at me, and I said, "Have to laugh at it." I'm like, "You don't understand. This is as bad as it can get." Yeah. And I truly believe don't ever that. say that. I know. Yeah. I've yet to see anything. Throw the salt over your shoulder, buddy. I, I was so mortified about what was happening and like did not know what to do. I never lived in an apartment, like in a house. I always lived in an apartment with a super. I never had to deal with anything like that before. (laughs) And a very good friend of the bar was like, I'll do it. And he went downstairs with the shop vac and shop vac'd all of the water and poop and toilet paper. And it was so disgusting that content warning he literally threw up on the floor and then shop backed up his own vomit that's dedication empty out the right. shop vac right. you and win. You win. i mean i didn't do it this was a customer <laughs> that, oh, this was a customer did, did this well i hope they drank oh, free a, for a, a year or something like the day. Yeah. I'm you bought terrible. him new sneakers, though, right? I, did buy, I think I did buy him sneakers. Um, <laughs> okay, so I am a whole new outfit. So that's been the day we've had. That was, well, well, you know what? Actually, yes, that has been the day we had. I had another question, but I don't want to go, I don't want to backtrack. Okay, so, like I said, nobody ever sends me their questions, so I must resort to Reddit Am I the Asshole posts. So I'm yeah, that going is to a, that is a subreddit where people ask uh, the Reddit audience if the behavior or thing that they feel or whatever is indicative of them being an asshole. So if <laughs> by them doing this, does that make them an asshole? Okay. So I'm going to read it as if this person wrote a letter to me, and then we'll discuss it. Um, so, dear Charlene. Sure. <laughs> Am I the asshole for going to a gay bar as a straight person? That's not a coincidence, by the way. (laughs) Note, this is from pre-COVID when going to bars was a normal thing. I, 22 female, am straight, but over half of the people in my friend group identify as queer. We are college students, so it's pretty common for us to go to bars on the weekends. In a night... We'll usually go to three or four bars, and we often go to a particular gay bar at the end of the night to dance. After one particular weekend, another one of my friends who is gay, who wasn't at the bar with us and isn't my main in my main friend group, confronted me about having gone to the gay bar and said he's tired of straight people coming into safe safe spaces for queer people, since every other bar is a safe place for us. I'd always mentally justified going to the gay bar because I was invited by my queer friends. I'd never go without them, and I'm supportive of the queer community. So this was a wake-up call. I thanked my friend for his perspective and apologized for overlooking why I shouldn't have gone into the bar. I brought this up to the queer members of my friend group, and they all told me to ignore him and that I'm welcome in the gay bar since I'm their friend and they want me there with them. We all agree that it wouldn't be cool for me to go alone or with just straight friends, but I still see what my other friend means about straight people running, ruining what makes it a safe space. So, does going to a gay bar as a straight person make me an asshole? No. No. Absolutely not. No. I, I think it really, you hit the nail on the head there that um, if you have friends and, you, and you're supportive and you want to be up there, we Let's need, be honest, the music is better. Yes. <laughs> and we need allies who can't minimize that. There are I would I would say though that there are certain events or parties mm-hmm. that might be more specific for gay men or gay or, or lesbians. Uh-huh. 
that may or may not be appropriate for straight people to be at. Okay. Just, you know, and... The general rule is you, if you don't act like an asshole, you're welcome anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that should be the way it is. I mean, in the same way that... You're not going to the zoo. Right. You're not going to, like, see some yes. exotic, yeah. strange animal yeah. see, and see, Seeing the gays in their natural environment. Right. That, that, if, that's, if that's what you're trying to do... Your then, motivation then don't is wrong. Go. Yeah. Yeah. But, don't go to be a tourist. You know, but, yes. but, but in the same way that Richard and I should be welcome in a straight bar, mm. per se, or just a whatever kind of bar, and if I want to kiss him or hug him or whatever, I shouldn't have a problem with that. Yes. Or, uh, yeah. But if you're a straight couple or a straight, uh, and you're making out at the bar <laughs> in a gay bar, I don't think making. I think you, there's a time and a place for that. It's like it's. I don't think it should be happening in any bar. Yeah, right? I, I mean, agree. it's like there's there's sections of a bar go that outside. you do that. Yeah, exactly. Or you go, or find that corner. <laughs> just yeah, there's just a there's time some, and a place. There's some weird psychology because it's not an uncommon thing, and I don't. I, I guess I get it, but it's just annoying. I kind of like the idea that straight couples are grossing out all the gay people by making out. <laughs> and all the gay people are like, ew, take that outside. Get, get your heterosexuality out of here. I do, I do think it's fairly optimistic of the original uh, critical person that... Uh, this straight woman that normal bars are safe spaces for her. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, <laughs> There's that too. Have right. you been to all bars? Yeah. yeah. Be- because a lot of women, I know I used to go to gay bars to dance because men wouldn't hit on me. Right. And I could just go have a good time. That's very common. Spend my money, you know. Right. I wasn't. I wasn't trying to like see what's happening but I was like you guys are yeah you guys like look better smell better better, dress better and like we're gonna dance and no one's gonna try to touch my boob right well and and this comes back well they might ask you about your bras they would ask me yeah actually they do sometimes touch my boob but they never grab my pussy (laughs) (laughs) but this comes back around to the the lesbian bar Mm -hmm. uh, quandary the those women need safe spaces yeah Yeah, I think Straight women get hassled in bars. Lesbians in a bar will the creeps that yeah. will, will just bother them and be inappropriate is it, yeah, when you see sounds... it happens it's disgusting. Yeah. yeah, I've never really thought about it that way so much. But you, you are been so with right. The right guy. Like no, oh, don't, yes. don't, don't. Or like, why don't you make out for me or something yeah, like that? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to get on a tangent. No, no this is all about tangents. So yeah, I feel like the consensus is uh, you're not an asshole as long as you go. You're not being an asshole about it. Right. I mean, there's there's only there's a lot of backlash about um, uh, bride bridal showers. Bridal showers. Gay, yes. Gay bars. And again, it's just find the right time. Yes. If it's if it's a party that is meant for for gay men to dance and hook up mm-hmm. and just have and, and, and just hang out that may be not the per- per- a perfect party for a bridal party yes. but, if, but if it's a, a drag show yeah. that everyone isn't I mean, go for it have a good time I feel like considering that most of the people that the show is intended for were not allowed to marry until yeah. like six years ago exactly. it's like a little bit in your face yeah. Yeah, yeah with, my, with my bridal party. Well, um, and speaking to somebody who works in a club, we appreciate the business. Don't yeah. get us wrong. Yeah. You know, uh, all money is green. And I don't want to sound opportunistic saying that, but mm. you're welcome here as long as you don't, like you said, act like an asshole. Yes. And yeah. in in bridal parties in general do not. And that applies to the gay men and lesbians, yeah. too. I mean, because there's plenty that act like assholes, too, in, yeah. In, yeah. In, yes. in a straight bar or a gay bar. It yes. doesn't matter. It's like, it's just just act like a human. <laughs> yeah. Not an ass. That could be hard. That could be hard for assholes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, do we have anything to plug? Not really. I mean, I mean you have, to, well, uh, the, as of this episode's going to come out before, uh, after our five-year anniversary at Hinterlands. Yes. Thank you. Um, and there's, uh, obviously, Hinterlands and Minnie's Bar, both still open. Please come yes. visit, support. Um, you know what, actually? Hinterlands is turning five, and I would like to... Asp- and 
and and for Minis also, I'd like to especially thank our customers and our supporters. We had a really rough year, and a lot of people came through for us. A lot of people bought t-shirts, a lot of people bought gift certificates, a lot of people came out in the freezing cold when we weren't allowed to have people inside, and they sat in the cold and drank a beer when, like, that could not have been the best, like, the best time, the best thing they could have been doing with and, their time. And people came and, out to support us in a year when everyone needed support. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So, so this episode will come out after our anniversary party, but our anniversary party is to just thank everybody for coming through to us and, and through for us. And you're, and you're open 365 days a year. We're so open and we're open till 4am and restrictions have been lifted. And you know, if you want to come out to fire Island, Richard is DJing <laughs> at the, the Ice Palace. Yeah, at least through the end of the summer. Yeah. At least through the end yeah. of the summer. Yeah, and we Unless somebody gives them millions of dollars for their house right. and they can move out right away. And we should thank the Ice Palace for letting us tape this here. We should absolutely year. thank the Ice Palace thank for letting you. us tape here. And there are also a lot of great places here in Cherry Grove, not just the Ice Palace. Um, and we want people to come here and patronize every place they possibly can. Yeah. Yes. And don't be assholes. <laughs> human. Human. Just yep. be Just human. Just be human and spend money. Things are expensive out here. Bring cash. <laughs> but it's worth it. But it's totally worth it. And, oh, and thank you for hosting us and letting us uh, stay in your place. Anytime. We should have and done this a long time ago. We should have. But and, uh, when you work seven days a week. Yeah. I know. Yep. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm going to sign off. Yep. Um... This is Charlene Wellington, and this has been I... Wait, I forgot the name of the podcast. I know the, I know the owner. Uh-huh. And <laughs> thank you to... Stuart Wellington, the and, other owner. And... Richard Kennedy. And, and Mark Naden. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>